Today's program is brought to you by Cane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit Cane5.com. I'm Erica Wides, host of Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Inside School Food on the Heritage Radio Network, uh, the only radio show dedicated exclusively to conversations for professionals working in and around K-12 food service. I'm Laura Stanley. Uh, today's episode is about a district that many, if not most of you, have already heard about, um, El Monte City School District, a K-8 through district serving 9,500 students uh, just east of Los Angeles. Um, El Monte is celebrated as a leading-edge reformer well beyond the cafeteria. Uh, over the years, the district has established a rigorous, uh, comprehensive approach to student wellness that attempts to really touch every aspect of student lives um, in and out and out of school. Um, it, it was the first district in California to win the Healthier U.S. School Challenge. Um, all 14 schools took silver in 2011. Last year, El Monte won a No Kid Hungry Breakfast Champion Award from Share Our Strength. It currently holds eight bronze, five silver, and four gold medals from the Alliance for a Healthier Generation and was among the first few districts in the nation to win gold in that program. Um, so the Alliance and Let's Move and the Safe and Healthful Kids Project have all published glowing profiles of El Monte on their websites. Um, Bill Clinton has visited and First Lady Michelle Obama has honored district leaders at the White House. Phew. <laughs> Rachel Ray has featured El Monte Nutrition Services in her magazine, and the El Monte Director of Nutrition Services, Dr. Robert Lewis, has personally received numerous professional awards. The most recent was from Food, Manage Manage, uh, Food Management Magazine, which named him K-12 Innovator of the Year. So maybe you think you already know enough about uh, El Monte, but, you know, I, I don't think that, I didn't think that I did. So, you know, I'm thinking, like, what's the backstory and how far back does it go? Um, you know, when and how did the district take the bit in its teeth and commit to doing something different? You know, I, I wanted to know more, so I called Dr. Lewis and I asked him if he'd join us on Inside School Food. He said, sure, but if you really want an origin story, you need to talk to former Superintendent Jeff Seymour as well. Jeff is supposedly retired, Robert told me, but he's still coming to school practically every day, which is very lucky for us. So I'm really pleased to welcome both of uh, you onto the show today. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, morning Loris. Nice to be with you. So um, I've got to introduce you guys. Uh, Jeff Seymour began working um, in the El Monte schools in 1970 as a teacher. Uh, he moved up the ranks to become an assistant principal and principal before taking the reins as superintendent in 1984. Um, and he remains active not just in the schools but throughout the communities. He's currently serving on the boards of seven organizations in town, including most recently the Jeff Seymour Family Center, which provides a range of social health and mental health services. Um, Dr. Robert Lewis is in his seventh year at El Monte City School District and his 25th as a school food service director. Uh, he previously served in Simi Valley, California, and more recently in Monrovia. 
Uh, Robert holds both his master's and doctorate in public administration, and which is training that seems to me has powerfully informed his multi-sector approach to achieving healthy outcomes in the cafeteria. He oversees an operation that's embedded in classroom curricula based on common core standards and nutrition education for parents. So, um, Robert, let's start with you just to set the stage. El Monte is historically a pretty high-needs community. What is, what is your current free and reduced rate? Our current free and reduced rate is about 91%. Mm-hmm. And these days the community is, I understand, a majority Mexican-American? Um, I would say so. Uh, we, but, it, it, you know, it's Los Angeles County. It's a mixture of everything. But right, the majority right. would be Hispanic and yeah, Latin. Right. So um, let's start in the cafeteria and work our way out. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about your menus. Okay. Our menus um, have changed over the past seven years. Uh, even before I came in, the last uh, food service director, uh, Wanda Grant, had made some changes. When I came on board, we wanted to continue the work that she had done. Uh, when I came here, there was one bronze with the Elijah Healthier Generation. Mm-hmm. But we started looking, well, first of all, I want to tell you, my grad work was all on uh, childhood obesity and type 2 diabetes and the trends that, you know, have made those terrible epidemics happen and what we could do about them. So my dissertation work is all on local school wellness policy. I came to this district because I said, oh, my goodness, this is a district who knows that there's a problem out there and is already doing something about it. Mm -hmm. And Mr. Seymour can speak more to that. But we started making those changes in order to not just to qualify for the different awards, but because we knew it was the right thing to do for kids. Uh, This generation of kids will be the first generation who will not have as long a life expectancy as their parents if we adults don't do something right now. So I took this to heart. And um, when when I came on board, we just slowly started making these changes. So for example, we started taking away uh, all the white bread and replaced it with whole grain bread. Mm -hmm. We added more fresh fruits and vegetables to the menu. We did a lot of taste testing. And we had a couple of nutrition education grants that helped us go out of the community and sell the parents on the different types of foods we were doing, too. We met with our ELAC and DLAC groups, which are parent groups and things like that. And we work with the community center. Um, we sit on the wellness team at the city, and there are city members who sit on our wellness team with the district. Right, so we right. kind of have a really good mutual relationship there. But everything that we've wanted to do, uh, changing menus, adding more salads and things like that, I feel just so much support in this district, and it and the kids just go right along with it. We've had fresh fruit and vegetable program here for a number of years, and we have chef in the classroom. We've had uh, taste testing in the classroom, so it really has just been a win-win situation. And I feel just the the emotional support there was there, and I think that there's a number of people here who understand, you know, with the community we have here. Right, right. The district is the best hope, and we have to do the right thing for them. Yeah. I'm interested in, you know, so so you you began introducing these things. You know, you've been there for a long time now. Um, So you said you were were eliminating white flour and bringing in whole grains. You know, what, what kind of, like, for instance, you've got kids who are used to eating tortilla at home. How did you introduce whole grain tortilla and things like brown rice to students who were not used, accustomed to those versions of these well, foods? Well, let's see. The white, switching from white rice was not really that big a deal. What we did, we, we took away the 
some of the chicken nugget products, and we put in teriyaki chicken. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm thinking, do these kids know what teriyaki chicken? And we put it on the menu. It was a big hit. And I thought, why didn't we do this sooner? And the first time we served it, we served it with brown rice. Uh, the good part about that is we're using the uh, USDA uh, commodity rice. So mm-hmm. it's you know coming to our district, and we, we have a huge central kitchen. Uh, we make our rice here once a week, and we have different Oriental products or Asian products that we serve. We have an orange chicken also that's unbreaded we put out there. So it's like the kids didn't even miss the breaded ones because we introduced this slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, what the, about the tortillas? The hamburger buns and whatnot, you mm-hmm. know, those were not so such a big deal, but the submarine sandwich bread is one of our world-famous things. Okay. We, we bake it in the bakery here, and the worst part about that, the bakery's right below my office, and I'm always glad, you guys are making that submarine sandwich bread again, aren't you? So, And that also uses uh, whole grain uh, flour from uh, USDA. Right, right. And, and what about the tortilla? You told me that they look like they're, they're white in color, but they are whole grain. What, you, what are you using, and how does it go over with the kids? You, I mean, you wouldn't know that they were whole grain because there's not really a difference in color. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our local and some of our national vendors already have these products in stock. And, mm-hmm. he, and when I wanted them, I went to them and said, can you find this for me? And we were like one of the first districts to do this. You know, us and then Salida and Manteca up north, we were already on the bandwagon in 2008, 2009. And so we started doing this and and whenever we asked our vendor said okay we'll go find something they brought it to us and there you go i mean when i talk to you i i find it troubled i i find it hard to understand the resistance to brown rice and whole grain tortilla i'm hearing from other districts and and another item that you talked to me about um was this um traditional Mexican style pastry bread that you serve in your for your yes. breakfast in the classroom program and it's yes. it is a it is a traditionally a very fluffy and rather sweet yes. product and you managed to get it reformulated to meet USDA right. standards for whole grain and lower sugar how did that go over with your your kids especially the ones of Mexican descent you know it it really hasn't been that that uh, big a deal. Um, we found a local uh, bakery here. We told them we would like this to be whole grain. That means 51% whole grain, right? Mm-hmm. It can't be 100% because it comes out like a rock. So you have to have some white flour in there. But anyway, 51% whole wheat flour. And they came up with it. It tasted great. We tested it on the kids. And, you know, I want to say we always test everything on the kids. Just uh, two weeks ago, we had our annual um, expo, our student wellness expo, and we have eight different vendors that come to that every year. We let the kids taste all the foods there, and they tell us what they like, and it goes on the menu. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and when you said it's 51% um, whole grain, is it 100% whole grain rich? Is it going to pass muster? Um... Exactly. Oh, right. that's great. Exactly. That's, that's remarkable. Yeah. 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 Um, and then I would love to hear about your pasta, because I know that you have kind of a direct line to a company that's making... Um, whole yes. grain pastas that are going over well with your students. They are. And, you know, I can't mention product names. No, you can go ahead and see who a, they are. We do use a major name brand here. It's Barilla, and, right? Um, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, um, yes, but we use them here, and they the kids love them. We uh, And it really, like I said, I don't notice that much of a difference in color. Yeah. But, Laura, I think the thing that I want to really mention to you is that I've got a generation of kids, because this is a K-8 district. Mm-hmm. I've got a generation of kids now who don't know anything except for healthy food. Mm-hmm. So we started on them with kindergarten. They're, 
they're in the sixth grade now. Right. They don't know any difference. So I think that's the way the culture has to change, collaborative public policy and then involving the kids in all your decision-making. Right, and that was why I wanted both of you on the phone, on, on, the, on the show today. So let, let's take a look at what's going on outside the cafeteria that supports these healthy choices at mealtime. Um, you're, you're, you're exceptionally creative, and you've been at it for a long time. Um, so Jeff Seymour, to get us started, can you just kind of give us a sense of the breadth of the work you're doing um, in, in the school community and outside? Sure, Laura. When we began all this, we we also figured that, well, you just can't feed children uh, a healthier meal. They have to actually have a lifestyle that extends beyond school and home that we don't, you know, we all live in, in the real world, not just in the school world. And so we began really early on to work with parents, making sure they were aware of what we were doing and why. But we also changed our physical activity and PE programs radically. This began with teachers asking for fitness labs. We had some extra classrooms. We started very simply with simple treadmills and and, and that kind of equipment. And so PE became a fitness based program and and it really caught on all of our k-8 schools uh, little by little found ways to do it this was not hugely expensive because we found ways to do it with existing facilities small grants some larger grants and as we began to get recognition it began to get easier to get uh, additional monies Mm -hmm. so now we have a program that starts really in middle grades with a fabulous program called tone up which is is wonderful at reducing um, we have good data to so it lowers resting heart rate and blood pressure in, in middle graders. And they become very aerobically fit, very, very fit. And, and, um, our, and teachers love the program because um, it's easy to do. It takes no special equipment. So we, we really, from fourth grade on up, uh, have a fitness-based activity program. Our parents are highly supportive of it, and they... Um, it's funny, at a parent meeting one day, I had a mom raise her hand and say, why is my child asking me to not buy fiery hot Cheetos? You know, that is uh, <laughs> the gold standard for a lot of kids. Fiery hot Cheetos and more fresh fruits and vegetables. And then on certain days when they have a test, asking that we have this and that. And once moms began to realize that this was not just um, a, a whim or a passing fancy, that we really follow through, and we want them to follow through. And Robert's department has been incredibly wonderful about training, educating parents. Every event we have in the district, open houses, back-to-school nights, he has his staff there offering parents taste tests, offering fresh fruits and vegetables. And what they're finding is that their kids not only want these, they want them consistently. Robert works then with supermarkets around us. Uh, We have scavenger hunts. We've had parent trainings about how you use your local markets. Mm -hmm. And these are awfully popular. And, in fact, we just simply don't have enough hours in the day to really uh, do all the things that we think can and will be successful because – we want kids to be able to walk by the 7-Eleven after school and instead of plunking down their dollars to get a Slurpee, to maybe think about, no, I think I'll go home and have a banana. Yeah, they're going to still have a Slurpee once in a while, mm-hmm. but through Robert's Nutrition Expos and the kinds of things we have, they know that a large Slurpee has, I don't know, 38 um, sugar cubes equivalent of sugar in them, wow. and they're horrified mm-hmm. at that. And when they see what a package of fat from an order of French fries looks like, 
um, when they when they begin to internalize that information, it guides their everyday before school, after school, and most importantly, their family choices. They've seen their grandparents or their aunts and uncles have to deal with the ravages of un, uncontrollable diabetes, and they know that a different life awaits them if they make these choices now. And that's a consistent thread, not just through our schools, but the community. Robert has arranged wonderful community health activities in cooperation with our staff and others, uh, walks, bikeathons. Uh, we have some wonderful really community-wide events Mm -hmm. that simply all underscore the same message. What you put in your mouth and eat and enjoy can be healthy, and what you do with your time beyond sitting at your desk or or being in in a sedentary activity can involve things that will benefit you the rest of your life. Right. And Robert, I understand that some of your um, nutrition staff are actually uh, running these classes for parents on a regular Basis. Absolutely. Yeah, and that in, that involves these trips to supermarkets. Um, as as yes, that's amazing. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Currently, we have a, a grant that we've co-written with the city of Pasadena Health Department, and we are working with this entire regional area from Pasadena towards our area. We're working with grocery stores, and so once a month we'll have a taste testing inside of a grocery store and then do grocery store tours. Mm -hmm. So those come up once a month. Um, We also are working with a restaurant program where this grant will give restaurants that meet these standards uh, a certificate that they can display in the window that says, we have healthy choices in our grocery store. And uh, this is provided by... um, Choose Health LA is the mm-hmm. name of the grant. Mm-hmm. And so they get a badge and they get to display that in the window. So we're working directly with them. We're also working with uh, chambers of commerce that um, work with restaurants so that we, we get our name out there and that we are working uh, to tell them, you know, this is what's happening. So as Mr. Seymour said, it's, it's a community-wide effort. You know, mm-hmm. when we have these big events like the one we had two weeks ago, a lot of those people came as volunteers. Uh, we have a teacher who came and volunteered to teach Zumba. We had uh, one of our registered nurses who came. She's a master gardener. She came and did gardening classes, and uh, she um, taught the kids how to plant seedlings of broccoli and kale and mm-hmm. spinach. You know, these things are, I think it's a community that's pulling together to want to do the right thing for our kids. Right. And, and so that's what I'm interested in getting to the bottom of is, how and why you have pulled this off, because certainly are there are communities across the country that need this kind of community buy-in. Um, so we're going to take a quick station break now, but when we come back, I'm, I'm going to ask you both, um, and you especially, Jeff, to reach back in time to get it where this process of community culture change originated. Um, this is Inside School Food. We're having a conversation about the celebrated wellness programming in the El Monte City School District in Southern California. This is Chris Howell from Cane Vineyard and Winery, calling in from Spring Mountain above the Napa Valley. Thank you for listening to this show. In our industrial world of highly processed food and wine, we support the values of Heritage Radio Network. All of us at Cane encourage you to seek out individuality and beauty in everything you eat and drink. To learn more about us, go to Cane5.com. 
Welcome back. Today on Inside School Food, we are speaking with uh, Dr. Robert Lewis, Director of Nutrition Services for El Monte City School District and the district's recently retired Superintendent, Jeff Seymour. Um, Jeff, you know, you're your personal history with this community extends back many years, even before you began teaching Absolutely. in 1970. Um, you told me that many years ago, your aunt was a nurse working in the community. Um, was it after World War II? And no, actually, actually, Laura, it was in 19, she started in 1927 as wow. a school RN. And her observation was kids then, largely Hispanic kids, because there, there were the community had a lot, uh, even at that time had no dental caries to speak of, mm-hmm. were not, obesity was not an issue, and they, they had a very straightforward diet of corn tortillas, rice and beans was pretty much the staple. Mm-hmm. After the war, she, her observation was as processed foods came in, sugar came into their diets, dental caries began rising, obesity began to occur, and by when her retirement in the early 60s, uh, she saw a very big change. She attributed it to diet and, and, and exercise patterns. Right. So when, right. I, when I began to work here, that was on my mind. And then as I had the opportunity as superintendent to begin to really um, shift some of our priorities with the help of Robert's predecessor, Wanda Grant, as he mentioned earlier, that's when we really began to change things in, the, in, the, in little tiny steps in the mid-'80s. Mm-hmm. And it, what what led to the decision to involve the district in the alliance for the, a healthier generation? Because you were you were kind of pioneering and in, in getting involved with them. Right. We we had we had early on joined the SPIN School Partners in Nutrition Network. We were one, I think, of eight or ten districts. Began to reduce um, salt, fat, increase whole grains, and and little by little, um, the idea of the alliance came in. Mrs. Grant said, you know, we can we can join this and and see what we can do with it. And I said, well, sure. Our board was wonderfully supportive, so we really began in earnest. And I'd have to say a galvanizing moment was in, was it 2005, Robert, or 2007? I can't quite remember when former President Bill Clinton and Arnold Schwarzenegger, our then governor, came on the same day mm-hmm. and visited Columbia School as bronze winners. Uh, the American Heart Association was there. They celebrated the achievement of the fitness lab, the, the better meals. And that was a moment at which heads began to turn. And really, it just gave us a little more leverage and a little more clout to say, hey, you know, when we ask you to not have gooey stuff at room parties and we ask you to to add these kinds of things into our diets and we don't have school food sales that reflect junk, that really helped give us the, I think, the motivation among our, our residents to say, hey, this is a good thing for kids. And I'd have to tell you, in 25 years of being the superintendent, I never had one single unhappy parent complain at a board meeting. And yes, I had lots of questions about why we're doing this or that, Mm -hmm. but it never reached the point where the public felt we were doing something that was not good for kids or that, that deprived them of the right to provide certain things for kids because we always made sure, and Robert has been terrific about this, that they're well-educated as to what the changes are for and how they can be a part of the change. If you're part of something, you're much more likely to support it and much less likely to complain about it. And so our parents have been really wonderful vanguards for us because we make sure, and again, Robert's department has, you, you just have 
very little concept, I'm sure, of how extensively they make sure all of these things are integrated into the thinking of parents with wonderful support and training and activities. So it makes it really fun because it's become a very pot. When I saw Coke machines disappearing from mm-hmm. staff rooms because for the alliance you had to, at certain levels, not have junk food for teachers either in, in terms of a Coke machine or a soft drink machine, I was stunned when I did not have a single complaint because I, I believe that I was out in the schools well, at least once a week, and um, I, I expected lots of complaints. Yeah, you not think. One. Right. Not one. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that is remarkable. Um, and, you know, uh, Jeff, I, I like so you talked about that visit from the, from the governor and, and uh, former President Bill Clinton in 2005. But when we spoke earlier, you said there was another turning point back in 2002. You said there was a group of students who came to your office looking for help. Can you tell that story? Yeah, they appeared and they, they came to a board meeting with a, with a letter saying, signed by 30 students who were 8th graders getting ready for high school earlier in the year, that if we don't do something about our weight, we, we will go to high school, not be active, not be in sports. It, it was a heart-wrenching letter. Mm-hmm. Please let us have a diet program so that we can increase um, our success at losing weight and becoming fit. The board said, go with it. Wanda set up a class called Fitness Now. Those eighth graders came as a zero period. They learned about nutrition. They lost collectively several hundred pounds. I cannot remember by the end of the year how many pounds they had lost. They started high school not just with weight loss and more fitness. They started with a whole new self-concept about that they could be successful and that they knew how to eat better and exercise more. And so I think this is why Tone Up has become such a big part in the middle grades of nutrition and activity uh, because it really changes kids' outlooks about themselves and puts them in control mm-hmm. of, of eating and exercise in ways that oftentimes we feel we're the victim of, of big agriculture and that kind of stuff, and, and sometimes that's a popular viewpoint. And we say, no, you're in control. You choose what, what goes inside you. And you know if you're well-armed with education, both from our department and the PE side in terms of nutrition and activities, you know exactly what to do. And when kids have that kind of empowerment, it is unbelievable. We're having our competition May 1st between our school district and others in the Tone Up uh, Fittest School mm-hmm. Challenge. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll see these little fourth, fifth, and sixth grade squirts. They will be out there, their teachers joining with them, and it is amazing how incredibly fit they are. Well, you know what? Teachers love it because studies show that brain, in, in terms of brain activity and cognitive areas, there's a two-hour afterglow where kids perform much better. Mm-hmm. But we even have a little routine they do before they take state tests, like our SBAC tests, because those schools that do it religiously actually deliver better scores. So it's a whole, a whole approach, brain, heart, and mind, mm-hmm. that really says you can make better choices. We'll train you to do it, but it's really up to you. It's not your teacher's responsibility or your mom and dad's. Mm-hmm. It's yours. And that's what I love about our program. It teaches these kids. Right. And, and it originates with students actually asking for it, which... It's just absolutely terrifically absolutely. moving story, um, Robert. I'd, I'd like to kind of go back to school. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about some of the current. You, you know, you said you wanted to talk about some of the current things you're doing that are kind of especially fun and creative. Like, for instance, what is a fear factor assembly? <laughs> well, it, it, 
sounds, it's just like Fear Factor on television, except we call it Vegetable Fear Factor. Okay. And uh, we have this at different assemblies, uh, and it's usually by request from one of the principals. We'll have it at open houses as well. I think we've had about two or three of them this year. Um, it's very popular with the kids. Uh, what we do is we uh, have all the students there at an assembly, and they elect uh, 10 students who will be the competitors. Um, my staff uh, slices up 10 different vegetables, and sometimes we get different um, vegetables that may have never tried, maybe some Chinese vegetables or Japanese or whatnot, um, buy them at the Asian market and chop them up and serve, it, uh, serve them in little cups, little one-ounce cups. Mm -hmm. And so the, the competition is, you know, the first one who, uh, first student who eats all the way through there is the winner. Well, it, it, sounds, <laughs> it sounds really crazy, but they get into it. They just love it. Of course it. they do, yeah. And, you know, and then what I've noticed is the vegetable consumption, the, veg the following week goes up for that school. Yeah. So it's introducing things, uh, new ideas in their own way. You know, the Food Network these days is all about competition. Yes. You know, it used to be about slow cooking and Julia Child and all that, but now it's all about competition. So we're trying to um, get on with the trend that they have at the moment. Right, right. So, so another another funny thing you did was you brought a cow to school. Can you tell us about that? Oh, well, that's through the, uh, <laughs> the California Dairy Association, yeah. and we work very closely with them. Actually, I can tell you they provide us a lot of curriculum uh, for free, and it's not just about dairy. It's about all aspects mm -hmm. of wellness. So we have a good collaboration with them, uh, Candace Sines, and she uh, arranges for us to bring um, Jersey cows to campus. Um, Come on! They come on the back of a trailer, along with an educator, and uh, also a, a working classroom is mm -hmm. attached to the trailer. So wow! It's about, yeah. yeah, so it's it's a large assembly. This, the, the principals can sign up for it every year. Uh, we try to rotate it around the different schools, so every couple of years, everyone has a chance. The kids love it because you know we have to take into mind that. We have kids that are live in the inner city. They, mm -hmm. they may have never been to a farm. They may not know where dairy products come from. They may not know where, well, most of them don't know where uh, their produce comes from. Right. Um, so when we have these farmers in the classroom and, you know, the ranchers come out, it really opens their eyes. Yeah, yeah. And then um, I, the, the image for today's um, episode is a piece of student artwork about peas, um, and that's connected with an art contest you have that pr promotes healthy eating. Can you tell us a little about that? Yes, we have a superintendent art contest going on right now, and um, we also have a superintendent recipe contest going on right now. Oh, cool. So the winner of the superintendent's recipe contest, we've asked students to come up with their own recipes. Um, the winner will get to make the recipe with the superintendent in my central kitchen. We've also in the past had superintendent essay contest, and... Um, Mr. Seymour has judged many of those, mm -hmm. and we'll invite all the students over here to the Central Kitchen. They have like a nutrition lesson. We'll give them a um, physical activity lesson, a big tour of our Central Kitchen, and then they come upstairs and read their essays with the superintendent, and it's very special. Um, yeah, yeah. We give them a writing prompt every year. Uh, we run it by the language arts student to make sure that's right. And uh, then the art contest historically uh, has been a way of us for um, – developing our calendar, um, and we distribute those calendars out to the different sites. 
uh, once we're done. We'll pick the 12 winners and make a calendar out of them. And kids love to see their artwork on the calendar. Of course they do. And, and I, just, I just think that um, this um, essay contest speaks to the deep level of involvement on the part of the superintendent, which is so unusual. Um, Jeff, I understand that when you were superintendent, you you ate with the kids um, once a week or, or more, right? You sat down <laughs> and kept you ate with I, the kids. I love I love cafeteria food, and, <laughs> and uh, I love the fact that I can sit down with them, and they'll be totally honest. And and when I still am in schools, I'll stop and, and sit down and, and chat with them. But unless you eat the food, Laura, you don't really know um, it's, it's both its merits and sometimes its shortcomings. And I'd have to say Robert and his staff were wonderful. If I saw something that I thought, gee, this isn't going well, and realize we, we understand fully there's a learning curve. At first, you know, more fruits and vegetables, well, it was a little iffy with some kids. Mm-hmm. And then when we got smarter about how they were presented, about maybe having a low-fat kind of dip for the broccoli, that kind of stuff made it very popular. But I felt like I had to be there. I had to try it. And above all, I, I, I enjoyed it. And I really got a thrill out of seeing our children's eating habits change. Our current superintendent, Dr. Maribel Garcia, grew up here, went to our schools, ate our food, and she is continuing that same pattern mm-hmm. because, again, she understands and in, in, in the community, yeah, she's a part of it. She lives here. Our, our, our food has to reflect not just what's right, but it has to be attractive, tasty, and above all, I think, um, really guide our kids to great choices can can taste just as great. Right, and and right. so it's kind of a consistent theme we have here. Yeah, remarkable. Well, so uh, this is a question for, for either of you. Um, El Monte City School District is now an Alliance for a Healthier Generation gold award-winning national role model. But, you know, I, I think you both feel there's there's stuff left to improve upon. You know, what what in a perfect world would you do next or what are you hoping to do next? Well, one thing, I'll, uh, I'll jump in here, Robert. One thing is yeah. at the Family Center, I want to have a, a demo kitchen, a, a real program where we, in an ongoing way, continue to have parents have training, support, ideas, inspiration, and because the Family Center is to have positive activities, not just be a problem solver. Mm-hmm. And our, our leader parents are so critically important in all of this. And, and, and a farmer's market there once a week is one of our goals. We want to make sure there's consistent support for good decision-making. And, and it, takes, it takes a lot of planning and training. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we have a lot to do here. Until our obesity rate uh, is down where it, where it should be, which is as, as little uh, of it as possible, uh, our work will not be done. And we know it, so it's going to be a long but a very very worthwhile project. Right. For, for and then, um, Robert, what do you want to see happen in your kitchens going forward? Well, as you mentioned, we have four gold schools, and we're the only district in the country to have that many gold schools in one district. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest of them are silver and bronze. So, you know, of course, I want to see the rest of them uh, go for the gold. And as far as the kitchen is concerned, you know, we always have a new generation of kids. There are always new kindergartners coming in. So I want to keep going uh, with the trend and finding out what they like. I'm always surprised on what is is popular with them, so I want to continue to invite them to our taste testings and whatnot and work with them. We also work with teachers, and we have uh, 14 wellness teachers, one for each school, and they come up to my uh, central kitchen um, every two months. 
and we mm-hmm. share ideas, and they talk about different styles of uh, teaching kids about wellness, and they share ideas there, too. I would like to see that continue. Right, right. Um, so it's a process. Yeah. yeah. So, Robert and Jeff, I, I really appreciate your joining us today to take us, you know, not just five years back, but more than 10 years back to fill us in on your story. I, I You know, I, I, for one, have a better idea of the kind of time it takes and the determined determination required to initiate and sustain, you know, what is really, truly systemic change. Um, you have been listening to a conversation about district and community-wide nutrition and wellness programming in El Monte, California, with Dr. Robert Lewis, who is Director of Nutrition Services for El Monte City School District, and Jeff Seymour, who served as school superintendent from 1984 to 2013. Uh, this is Inside School Food on the Heritage Radio Network. Resource links to today's episode can be found on InsideSchoolFood.com. The show is also archived on HeritageRadioNetwork.org, along with a terrific collection of other podcasts that explore the past, present, and future of good food. So check them out. Um, also, please consider following Inside School Food via Twitter or Facebook or by signing up for our newsletter at InsideSchoolFood.com. Um, This is our last episode for winter-spring 2015. Um, Before I sign off for the season, um, a request. If you're enjoying the show, please consider helping us out. Um, Heritage Radio Network is a member-supported radio station that relies on the participation of its listeners. We also have a Kickstarter campaign underway right now. You can read all about it at heritageradionetwork.org. Um, uh, let's see. And I, I will be back. Uh, I'm going to be taking a break, uh, for three weeks. So I'll be back on May 18th. Uh, in the meantime, keep yourself busy listening to back episodes. We have a year's worth of them now, and they're all still completely current and relevant. Um, I'm Laura Stanley, and I look forward to catching up with you in three weeks. for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts on the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. 